Uh, We're going to start in John chapter 7, verse 37. John 7, 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, we're here in your presence, thankful, grateful, honored to be with you. Happy to be counted among those who sit before you today. As many as received him to them, he gave the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, because you've redeemed us. We're grateful, blessed, honored. Thank you, Lord, that you have deposited yourself in us. And you stand before us today with an open hand, not a closed fist. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. We're grateful today. So we pray that we would humble ourselves before your mighty hand to hear your word. And and only that, that you would transform our lives. Because that's why we're here, to be touched by you. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I take him at his word and deed. I take him at his word and deed. Do you believe that? Can you say that? Do you mean it when you say it? Do, do we mean that? Take him at his word and deed. It's an awesome privilege and responsibility to proclaim the word of God. Anyone who says, thus saith the, the Lord, better be pretty sure that it is indeed the Lord who says. So I'm aware this morning that what I have to say had better be the Bible and nothing but the Bible. So help me God. And I am convinced that it is. You know, there's truth and there's not truth. Something's right and something's wrong. One day we'll know for sure. I'm not here to preach this morning. I stand here as a teacher, so the focus is a little different. And I've been asked to share on a particular topic through the elders by someone, an individual here who started all this mess, who's seated here this morning. Uh, This fellowship has its roots in the charismatic renewal of the 1970s. This renewal was worldwide and emphasized the person, place, and power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life and the life of the body. A strong argument can be made that this fellowship would not exist if not for the involvement of people like the Festermans, the Inlows, the Makinsons, and others. In this movement. 
There have been words given to us in recent months by people like Pete Beck and others about the identity and historical significance of this body, Franklin Covenant. It's like the DNA of a body. It's what gives us our personality, what we believe, how we practice. So with this in mind, I've been asked to teach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There are three baptisms mentioned, practiced and taught in Scripture. The first is water baptism. Almost all Christians have little problem with this and experience it. There's the baptism into the body by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. At salvation, we join a worldwide historical body of believers. The baptism into the body by the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why is there such acceptance of the first two, but controversy over the third? I don't get it. So what is baptism? Baptism has three aspects to it. The basic meaning of baptism is to call something or someone to be dipped or immersed into something. This baptism is total. It involves the entire object or entire person. All of you, all your personality, your entire mind and soul, total immersion of the object into something else. It's also transitional. The person baptized passes from one stage to another, from one realm of experience to another realm of experience. A new stage, a new way of life, from which afterwards there is no return to the previous stage. And thirdly, it's transformational. How do you like that for alliteration? I told you I was going to teach you something. Alliteration is the repetitive use of consonants at the beginning of words. Not vowels. That's something else. Transformational. You are now a new creation completely changed. Therefore, I am a new creation in Christ. All old things are passed away. New things have come. I have a new set of DNA in Christ. I'm new. Completely new. New way of thinking, new way of acting. A total transitional transformation is what baptism is. Everything I do, every word I say, should be, ought to be, must be guided and molded by Scripture. It is said that Thomas Jefferson took a Bible once and cut it up. He cut out everything he didn't like or believe about. And he was left with about three pages. Is that what we do? We cut up the scripture? I don't like this page. I don't like this verse. I don't like what this says. Now, either it's God's word or it isn't. 
That's my position. Now, there's a lot of it I don't understand. Maybe have a hard time believing that a little man was swallowed by a big fish. I don't know. But that's what the Bible says. I have to believe it. I have to believe it. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. It's the living word. It's either true and reliable or it isn't. And if I'm going to base my life on it, then I must base my life on all of it. I cannot allow man's interpretation, church traditions, or my experiences or lack of experiences to judge Scripture. Scripture judges me. That again. Scripture judges me. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is simple to understand. Spiritual maturity is not necessary. It is by faith, just as I am born again by faith. My motive, our motive, is to glorify God in all things. And it is a commandment to be filled with the Spirit. I want to read a quote by Mr. R.A. Torrey. He, he wrote a book once called The Power of Prayer and the Prayer of Power. He was the first head of Moody Bible Institute. I don't know if we have it up there or not. There we go. Miracles. A man may be regenerated by the Holy Spirit and still not be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In regeneration, there is impartation of life by the Spirit's power. And the one who receives it is saved. In the baptism with the Spirit, there is the impartation of power. And the one who receives it is fitted for service. Those are not my words. But I think they're wonderful. I could not have said it better. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's turn to the scriptures. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist says, As for me, I baptize you in water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not even fit to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This verse is slightly different, but it's found in all four Gospels. Mark 1.8, Luke 3.16, and John 1.33. Now remember, baptism is the immersion of something or someone into something. So Jesus is clearly defined as the one who immerses a person in the Holy Spirit. In water baptism, we are baptized into Jesus for the remission of our sins. Jesus then baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. Again, we began with John seven thirty-seven. Jesus said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
He who believes in me, as the scripture said, and here he quotes from Isaiah 44, 3. From his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this of the spirit whom those who believed in him were yet to receive for the spirit was not yet given. Jesus was not yet glorified. So here in John, Jesus, who was not yet glorified because he had not died and been resurrected. But after his resurrection and glorification says these words to the apostles in Luke 24. 49. I can find it. You're there before I am. Behold, I am sending forth the promise of the Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And again, in Acts 1 5, we have these words of Jesus. Which you have heard of from me, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, I want you to think about this. The apostles before the day of Pentecost, they had walked with Jesus for about three years. They had seen, experienced and done great things in the Lord and with the Lord. They had been sent out two by two and seen demons flee. People healed. And this was before the day of Pentecost. They had learned much. They had failed to understand much. But where were they on the day of the crucifixion? Where was Peter? He denied the Lord three times. Went away weeping bitterly. What kind of witness is that? Jesus says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When Jesus immersed them in the Spirit on that day and clothed them with the power from on high, everything changed. Everything changed. Acts chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly they came from heaven a noise like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were gathered. There appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves and resting on each one. And they were all filled with the Spirit. and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Suddenly, Peter has a massive command of Scripture. In verse 16, later on in the chapter, he says, This day, this experience is a fulfillment of Joel 2, which was written hundreds of years before. Peter's now a man possessed. He's bold. He's full of the Spirit. To see Peter in the book of Acts is to see what being clothed in the Spirit really is. Acts chapter 8. This might seem like a march through the scriptures, and it, that's what it is. Chapter 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news to them about the kingdom of God, this is the Samaritans. 
When they believed Philip preaching the news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself, the sorcerer, believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip as he observed signs and great miracles taking place. He was constantly amazed. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Spirit. Now, notice here that these folks were believers in in verse 12. They had been water baptized. And then a few days later, Peter and John show up, lay their hands on them, and they too were baptized in the Holy Spirit, just as Peter and John had been when the apostles laid their hands on them. Now, what did Simon see that convinced him that the Holy Spirit was, in fact, filling these people? What did Simon see? Did he see an immediate change of lifestyle? Did he see some emotional commitment to follow the Lord? Did he see a long-term ability to live a life of peace and joy or to confront problems with peace? No time for that. Simon saw something, though. I believe that when Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, the same thing happened to them that happened to Peter and John on the day of Pentecost. The Samaritans were filled and began to speak in tongues, just like Peter and John. And they were filled with an irresistible urge to praise the living God. An irresistible urge. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He regained his sight He arose and was baptized, took food and was strengthened. Ananias is sent by God to find Saul. Saul, who was knocked off his horse by Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. Now, I ask you, at what point was Saul born again? Was it the moment that Jesus appeared to him? The moment he hit the ground? His horse flopped over. I have to believe it was. The living God in the person of Jesus appeared to him, transformed his life at that moment. He didn't get up from there still raging in hatred towards Christians. But here Ananias arrives to lay his hands on Saul. And as soon as he does, Saul's sight is restored. He's filled with the spirit. He's then water baptized, a different order, same result. Acts chapter 10. 
Peter is instructed by God to visit the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, a Roman centurion. And in verse 44, we read, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. They were hearing them speaking with tongues, exalting God. And Peter answered, surely no one can refuse water for those to be baptized just who have received the spirit just as we did. Can he? Again. Belief, pouring out of the Spirit, water baptism. All connected together. Part of one experience. Chapter 11, verse 15. Paul is reporting back to the apostles what had happened. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon us at the beginning. Just as he did upon us at the beginning. No difference. Same spirit, same experience. Common experience to the believers. I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If God therefore gave to them the same gift as he gave to us, also after believing in the Lord Jesus, who was I to stand in God's way? Acts 19. Verse 1. It came about that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having, <coughs> sorry, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized? And he said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. I believe. We believe. That no one is born again outside of the presence and activity and influence of the Holy Spirit. No one. Thank you. I was just on the verge of being tempted to take a swig of this. Uh, Out of his innermost being would... Flow something. I don't know what if I did that. I don't want to find out. No one is born again outside of the presence, activity, and influence and 
presence of the Holy Spirit. No one comes unto the Father except through the blood of Jesus, the working of the Spirit. The Spirit is there, present in me at salvation. I might not know it, but it is true. And here Paul clarifies this in chapter 19. And he then baptizes them in water, and then Jesus baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. On September 29th, 1973, I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. I didn't even think about the involvement of the Holy Spirit. And I'm convinced that that moment about 10.30 p.m. in apartment number seven in Carolina Villages in Cullowee, that Jesus forgave my sins and made me his son. I may have even prayed that he would be my Lord. But being Lord of your life is not the same as being your Savior. I knew Jesus was my Savior, but as time went on, I realized he was certainly not my Lord. Not yet. I still drank. I still cussed. I was in a disastrous relationship. There were outside of my inward being, knowing the living God, not much looked different. Because sin was master over my life. I thought about trying to quit these things. But it seemed like the more I tried, the less I achieved. It just wasn't happening. Yet I knew God loved me. I knew he was my savior. I was struggling. I had no power in my life. The faucet was on, but it was dripping out. In February, I heard about this retreat that group of students were going on, kind of by mistake, in Burnsville, North Carolina, High Pastures Retreat Center. So I went because I was living in a house at the time with no electricity and no heat. It was February, and I was cold and hungry. And it was free. So I went. And I got warm there and got my belly full, and I got more warmth than I was hoping for because... At the end of one of those meetings, I realized that these folks had something in their life that I did not have beyond Jesus. They had a joy, a peace, a love, a excitement that was missing. And I asked these three brothers to pray for me, and they laid their hands on me just as the apostles were doing. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit came into my life. And I felt like I'd been plugged into an electrical outlet. I was instantaneously, instantaneously delivered of cussing, drinking. All that went away instantaneously. And the joy of the Lord came. And I had an irresistible urge to praise him. (laughs) An irresistible urge to praise his mighty name. I spoke in tongues. I still do. I thank God every day for one of his mighty gifts. Is everyone going to speak in tongues? (laughs) Of course not. Paul says this clearly in writing to the Corinthians. He wished 
He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. That's what Paul said. But he knew that not all would. He even said that. But speaking in tongues was the experience of the apostles. And they accepted it in others as the sign. Because they looked for nothing else. The scripture does not tell us they questioned, looked for anything. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of three baptisms. It is an experience in which a believer's whole personality is immersed, surrounded, enveloped in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Who comes from the Father, clothing me, filling me with power. The drip of the faucet became a rush. He gave me power to overcome sin, power to witness, power to live a holy life. Without the power of the spirit, I cannot do any of these things. It's an essential part of the normal Christian experience. Just as Paul writes in Romans six, that death is no longer master over Jesus because Jesus is raised from the dead. So am I buried with him into death, have been raised into newness of life. I am united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. And I am no longer a slave to sin. Yes, I sin. My wife can testify to that. But sin does not master me. And neither should it master you. Through his mighty presence, Jesus Christ in my life, who has baptized me with the same Holy Spirit power that raised him from the dead. I have the same power that Peter and Paul and all the early saints have. Power for living, power for living a holy, righteous, victorious life that the father desires for me to have all by his grace, all in his wonderful plan. And I will close and get out of the way by reading Luke chapter 11, verse 9. I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone, everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Suppose your grandchild crawls up into your lap and asks you for something. Does your heart not melt? Suppose one of you is asked for a fish, he will not give him a snake instead, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As eager as Jesus is to forgive your sins, he is just as eager 
to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. We have four. Thank you, Phil. Glory to God. Same power. <laughs> yeah, same power. Um, four. I've asked four uh, people of different, uh, just different people. Not all the same person. Not all old like me. But uh, Kate, Kate Greenlee, if you'll make your way forward, just to share a little bit about. Their experience. The experience doesn't change the scripture. The scripture changes us. I mean, by the right, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word, like uh, Phil was saying. And then um, Chris Wilson, Bob Crawford, and Kathy Makinson. Thank you, Kate, for agreeing. I'm also nervous. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Catch my breath. I'll be fine. <laughs> okay. I catch my breath over here in the middle. <laughs> so I was uh, saved. Wow, it's really loud. Um, at a very young age, I grew up in the church. Um, I don't know if you all know, but um, Jack and Stuart, my parents. And Seth, Seth is my husband. Um, our church was, excuse me, sorry, was a spirit-filled church, and um, they talked about the Holy Spirit all the time, and um, that he was a wonderful counselor, and I wanted that gift. I wanted the gift of the Holy Spirit, and so about 12, 13 years old, I went up in a service after they had talked about the Holy Spirit, and I asked him if he would, the Holy Spirit would fill me. Um, as Phil was saying, I was really young, so I wasn't, it wasn't a maturity thing. Um, I just asked for it. And um, they laid hands on me. And I began praising the Lord in English, um, just speaking praises to him. And eventually it turned to another language. And it was very overwhelming. It was electric, kind of like you said. Um, very powerful. Um, it took some time for it to happen. It wasn't. It wasn't extremely fast. I would say, when they prayed for me, um, it took a little while. Um, when I was praising the Lord and all of that, it, it seemed like it took some time. It wasn't like I just started praising the Lord and. It came like very naturally. It actually felt like it took some time, and so I just wanted to say that as well. Um, after I received the gift, um, I'd love to tell you that I used it all the time, every day, and that, you know, it was super powerful. Um, but I, being young when I received it, went through different times of my life that I didn't use the gift at all, and I didn't um, use the power that God had given me so freely. Um, I did hear a, a teaching at some point when I was older, and it reminded me of the gift that I had been given at a very young age, and I knew that I needed to start it back. And as I used it, um, I felt like I, 
I could talk to God and share with him things that I didn't even always understand, especially because I have kids and you don't always know. their hearts and if you pray for them in the spirit you know that something's happening and even for friends of mine who there's so many people right now going through so many really hard times and it's nice to be able to pray when you don't know what to pray for um, the scripture I had was Romans 8 26 It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And to me, that is what the gift of speaking in tongues does for me. It it helps me to talk to the Lord when I don't have those words, when difficult situations are going on in my life and other people's lives. I can... Pray for them, for my own children, uh, for people in our lives that we don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to, you know, we can ask the Lord for help, but it's nice to know that there's this gift that he's given us that we can talk to him and, and feel like he's hearing exactly what we need. Well, I was uh, raised right here in Macon County. Uh, went to Mount Hope Baptist Church all my life. Heard good preaching. Good preaching. We had good preaching. The Word of God proclaimed. At the age of nine years old, in June of 61, I accepted Christ as my Savior. We were having a revival meeting at the church, and back in those days, they were revival meetings. <clears throat> they didn't last three days, three nights, weekend. They lasted at least two weeks. Because sometimes, <clears throat> you're just getting started by the beginning of the first, second week. Because, you know, there's a crust out there. There's hardship. There's difficulties. There's all kinds of things. And, and there's that moment where... Everybody is put forth and put forth, and they're wore out and they're tired, and and then finally they fall apart before God. They they surrender. And nowadays, uh, if it goes past ten minutes, we're worried about it, and we want to run out of the house and, and get back to something else, you know. So we're we're scared to sit in the auditorium and maybe be there uh, maybe an hour, let alone every night for two weeks. We would, we would, uh, church would be over at the night time and we would sing around the piano for another hour or two and then get up and go to work in the morning with my dad and my, all the adults. Sometimes going to the pastor's house after all that sit to the wee hours of the morning talking about Scripture. 
That was what I was raised in. I remember one night somebody wrecked out in front of the church and all the windows were open at the church. You know, you didn't have air conditioning in those days. Well, I was the one. If anything happened in church, I was just a little fellow, but I was the one that'd jump up and go. I'd pray at the altar. I'd pray in the pulpit. I'd, I'd pray at the, in the pews. Uh, I went out, and it was one of my buddies. I wasn't a little boy then. I was with teenagers. One of my buddies I grew up with, fought with, fought with. I mean, really, we fought. We went to school together. We did all this, and he was drunk, and I got to witness to him. That was me. Got into high school. Did a lot of stuff that everybody else did. You know, I knew Jesus. I was changed. I wasn't changed when I came up to the altar that night that I accepted Christ. I was changed. I was standing there right on this side. I was standing there beside my mother, my family. My dad was leading, singing. And... I looked at my mom, and I said, i got to go. When I turned, I was changed. A light came on. I was born again. When I got to the altar, and they're trying to lead me into being saved, I'm looking at them like, where have you been? I just got saved back there in the seat. I mean, I didn't say all that. I was respectful. And everything, but anyway, that's a little point I wanted to bring about. Later years, I I was dating Delina Holland. I'd met her. I was a senior in high school, and I met her, and and I was trying to date her. My reputation wasn't good, and she would not date me. <laughs> but in the summer, in the summer. I was working over in Hayesville and Murphy and all that, and I'd come in, and we, there was some revivals going on and some meetings up here at the, on the river and at the, at the campground. And, and if I wasn't at one of the revivals in one of the traditional settings, I was at the campground. And she was at the campground, but I might be there one night and someplace else the next. And I enjoyed going there. Not just to see her. I loved the preaching. It was awesome. Something was happening there that I had never experienced before. And so anyway, that summer was something else. The next summer we got married. Then uh, I was at Fruitland Baptist Bible Institute in Hendersonville. And my father-in-law said, uh, there's a full gospel businessman's meeting happening over here at Lake Lure. Won't you, would you go with me? Sure. So I went. Well, at all these meetings that I've been going to that were not Baptist, and the, and the 
changed the difference in the way that there was a spirit. There was something different. They were talking about the Holy Ghost as a person, you know. And uh, and I'd go up to be prayed for. I wanted that, whatever that was. I wanted that. So they would lay hands on me. They'd lift my chin up. They'd lift my arms up. And all this was going on. And they're loving me. But this was happening. And I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm not fighting anything. But nothing was happening. So my father-in-law had asked me this full gospel businessmen's meeting. And I went to it and heard the message. And he was a famous speaker. And I don't know who he was. And uh, anyway, uh, the invitation came. And I go up front. And, and I want this. But... To be honest with you, everything was kind of rope. It was kind of, I don't know, didn't really seem all that spiritual to me. It was just an invitation, and, and it was offering something from God, and I wanted it, but I didn't know anything else. I'd been in a lot more exciting services than that, so it wasn't a real exciting service. i go down there. And and I'm saying, Lord, I'm willing. And God looked at me. He just he just looked at me, and he said, "How did you get saved?" That's all I needed to hear, because I was a little Baptist boy. They had been preached to and taught. About faith. And so, immediately I knew it was by faith. Had nothing to do with anything else. It was by faith. And immediately I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And gradually over the few moments and that happened there, I began to speak in another tongue. And I can't say that it was uncontrollable or anything like that. It's just I loved God. And... He was good to me. Now, I've been to these big revivals. I've gone to Toronto. I I didn't go to Brownsville, but I I did go to Lakeland. Up in Toronto, there were all kinds of stuff happening, growling, everything happening. In Brownsville, everybody was laughing. Or, not Brownsville, in Lakeland. Everybody was laughing. An experience that happened to me down there, we all stood up to just receive a blessing from the Lord. And, and I'm, 
I'm thinking. The whole time I'm hearing, I just hear everything. I hear everybody. Nothing different. I'm saying, well, Lord, if this is all there is, you know, I thank you for it. I'm not fussing. I'm not putting down anybody. I just say, well, I thank you, Lord, but I'm going to sit back down. Well, I'd been hearing people laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh, you know. And so at that point, when I made that decision, I opened my eyes. Because I'm just going to turn around and sit down. But I wasn't standing up. I was on the floor. And the laughing was the mic in my mouth. And so I was hearing all this stuff and and thinking and, you know, and just saying, well, Lord, you know, thank you for it. And I'm glad to be here and and all that. But the whole time it was me. And so I guess I just say that to tell you this. God has a lot of stuff for you and I can't explain how it's going to come to you or how you are going to respond, how you're going to act. I can't explain that. But I know that whatever he's got is good. It's good. And it'll help you through your life to face all kinds of circumstances and situations. You know, I think it's it's better not to have a pre-planned uh, speech with all my notes down and everything because uh, I want God to be able to tell me something right now that I can impart to you. But anyway, as I thought about this, in 1974, I met my wife. Of course, we weren't married, but I met her at a Bible study at the University of Central Florida where I'd been invited to by a previous girlfriend that I dated in high school. Um, I was 24. I'd been out of college several years, and Deb was 18. And uh, I fell in love with that long blonde hair. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, we dated and we were married in 1976 in the Orlando area. And... In June of 77, I got a uh, job offer. I had worked for Florida Power and Light several years at that time, and I got a job offer um, in St. Lucie County at uh, Hutchinson Island. is near Fort Pierce, a nuclear power plant there. And, yeah, I met Faye there. Um, so I took the job, and Deb was still in college. Uh, she still had about a year to go, I guess. So it wasn't long before she was spending the whole week in Orlando, and I was spending the week in Fort Pierce. 
And after a while, we became independent of one another to the point where she was happy just to stay there, not come back. So we were technically separated. And that was awful. Fortunately, it only lasted two or three months. But during that time, uh, God did something. Uh, Something good came out of her being in Orlando. She started attending a church called Calvary uh, Assembly of God or Calvary Baptist. Uh, um, And she was getting excited. And she had to share that with me. And so I went there on a weekend. And at nighttime, they had uh, over 300 people there that were young. I mean, it was people our age. It was a youth ministry, if you will. And one of the guys who was uh, a pastor there, I'd known in high school, he was a drummer of a rock band and a good band. And I hadn't seen him in 10 years. You know. uh, but he baptized me. And it was exciting, you know. I'd, I'd, been, I'd grown up in the Episcopal Church where they christened children or babies, you know, so you don't know what's going on. You're a few weeks old or whatever, you know. And I came to believe to be baptized had to be a decision I made, you know, not somebody made for me. So I was. And that's when I started hearing about the Holy Spirit. And this was in the middle of what Phil referred to as the charismatic renewal. Uh, going on in the 70s. And when the Spirit moved in that time period, everybody was excited. You know, those of you who lived through it and were a part of that, remember, it was the beginning of something new. So, uh, several of these guys, Steve Greer, the guy I was referring to, the drummer, prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was... You know, I'd I'd read all the scriptures that Phil mentioned this morning, and I was coming to a place where I could believe it was true for me and finally took the step to ask for it. That's all you have to do is ask, you know, Uh, the scripture that uh, Kate shared about. uh, Let's see, she shared about one in Romans, uh, and I guess Phil shared right at the end about the one in Luke where ask and it shall be given unto you knock and the door shall be open. That scripture was real important to me at that time. And so these guys put their hands on me and prayed for me. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was excited. I started speaking in tongues, which to me was not important, but it was something that people used as a sign that, yeah, you you really did receive something new, you know. Um, Anyway, As I started to say earlier, something that was really good that came out of her going back to Orlando was getting involved in this excitement of the Lord, and it brought us back together again. So the baptism for me was, uh, I don't know, it gave me enough excitement about God that Deb loved me. You know, she, she was attracted to what I was becoming. And so we got back together, and we've never been apart since 42 years, uh, but it was it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that did that. John asked me about doing this. I said, I don't even know if I have time to think this week. 
<clears throat> so I just had to kind of trust him. But there were a few things that the Lord brought to mind. Number one is you can't put God in a box. How he blesses and gives gifts to one person is different than what he does for somebody else. And I'm grateful for that because he knows me more than anybody else. Um, so in a nutshell, I was raised Catholic. I really didn't know anything besides that. And I went to a public high school after Catholic grade school. And uh, I went on a Youth for Christ trip that Tommy Rickards was helping leave. Tommy. This is our same Tommy. And I heard the gospel for the first time. And I knew it's what my heart yearned for. And so I did pray and ask the Lord to be my Savior. <clears throat> also, during that weekend, I, did, I prayed for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Nothing happened, and I had no idea what it meant. So it was one of those things that like just kind of got set on a shelf. I went to college, and um, it was a time where John and I were off. Over three and a half years, we were off and on. Over distance, North Carolina and Florida was the only time we saw each other was in the different states. And um, I had been compromising some things in my spiritual walk and struggling a little bit. So let me just preface that after I became a Christian, I started attending a Baptist church and I saw the importance of being baptized with water for me. Because as a baby, I was christened. But I wanted to set something in place. From this time forward, I was never going to be the same. And so uh, when I was in college, I went through a period where I was compromising some things and struggling. And I had Christian friends that were challenging me. And I came to a place where I didn't like who I was becoming. And so I started crying out to the Lord. And I just wanted more of him. I wanted everything he had for me. I just wanted more of him. I didn't know even what I wanted. And so I went to this little independent Baptist church. It was a little revival kind of thing. And um, they shared about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And um, I thought, I think, I think that's the power that I need in my life to overcome sin, to walk in power consistently and regularly in my life. And... Um, I did pray, but I wasn't satisfied. So I went looking for more. I went to a little, I was in college in Tampa. I went to a little Episcopal church in Gainesville. And there's a spirit-filled priest there. And he was such a blessing in my life. And I think I began to understand what it really meant for me. And um, I was no elaborate. You know, I just, like Kate, I just praised the Lord. And a little bit at a time, as far as my prayer language came, but it came out of a desire that I knew there were things inside of me that I wanted to pray, but I didn't know how to pray for it. There were things on my heart that I knew were in there. I just wanted to get out. And so for me, it wasn't to prophesy in the church. It wasn't to interpret in the church. It was for me. And I think one of the things I learned during that time is you can't judge don't judge what god does his way in other people's life regarding their walk with the lord whether it's their salvation or baptism in the holy spirit if our heart is god i want everything i want everything you have for me 
He's not going to disappoint. Just like Phil talked about, his heart is to bless us beyond anything that we can understand or experience or wrap our minds around. And so, that's my story.